At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our differences, and there are many, often show us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. It's the holiday season, and this year, the holiday season brings about the meeting of two religious traditions. Christmas Day falls smack dab in the middle of the eight day Jewish celebration of Hanukkah. This overlap, says Rabbi Albert Slomovitz, provides for a creative and memorable way in which we can acknowledge the similarities between our faiths. And Rabbi Slomovitz is our guest. He's an educator with multiple advanced degrees, including a PhD in American and Ethnic History from Loyola University up in Chicago. He's now on the faculty at Kennesaw State where he teaches American history. I'm so happy to have you here and what a great topic to talk oh, absolutely. about. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is great to be here. And if I can't start by giving you a little background about how I got to this place. Please if do. I, may. I served in the Navy as a chaplain for 20 years. Thank you for your service to our you, country, sir. You are welcome. And as a military chaplain, it's interesting that the chaplains are not identified as priests, ministers, or rabbis. We're chaplains. And so I started out in the Navy as a chaplain. And along the way, I was uh, fortunate to go to Loyola University of Chicago for my second master's degree in interfaith relations and my PhD in American history. And imagine I'm sitting in a classroom filled with priests and nuns and a few ministers and we're looking at the book of Matthew. And the professor says, well, Rabbi, what do you see? And I said, well, Father, I just want to sit in the back of the class and take notes and pass the test. He said, no, no, no. He said, you need to share with us what you see in the text because you'll see things that we don't, that we're sort of programmed to see the text a certain way. And that opened a door to some wonderful conversations. A few years ago, it occurred to me to write a book. And uh, it's unusual for a rabbi to write a commentary to the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the Christian scriptures. But I just felt called to do that. The book was written for the Jewish community, and I felt I had the proper background between the military and my Jesuit credentials. Uh, and then about two years ago, somebody said, well, the book is nice, but uh, why don't you think about doing something that has a, a longer-lasting uh, impression? Mm -hmm. So I started a nonprofit called the Jewish Christian Discovery Center, where we're not faith-based, we're educational-based. And the whole premise of this is to show, show Jews and Christians, their common faith traditions, and to educate people about that. That's my goal. You can have a 100% belief or 10% belief, but my premise, and, and I think this is, and I, I think people will agree with this, that, that Jews and Christians often sort of talk past each other. We don't have a common language. So I wonder if we were able to take a survey, how many people, for example, Happy Hanukkah to everyone, Merry Christmas, how many people who are not Jewish know the history of Hanukkah and know the connections between the two holidays? And so what we do is I think we, we sort of live in our own frame of reference and never have the opportunity to 
cross over or to learn about the other person's frame of reference. Now, that would be okay if we live sort of in a neutral world and everyone said, well, here's what I believe and the person down the block does what they believe and isn't it great. But unfortunately, there's a lot of negativism and prejudice and stereotyping that has filtered in. So in my book, I address all of that, and I can give you wonderful examples of the connections we miss. For example, the first verse of Matthew, just right off the bat, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. So what does that verse say? Well, you know, Christ means anointed, so this Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. But what is his lineage? Son of David, son of Abraham. So the text is saying what? The text, the first verse of the Christian scriptures, not counting Genesis, but uh, of the Christian scriptures, Matthew says, here's a person who is connected to the Jewish people. And I must tell you that, that I, I talk about the childhood of Jesus and the adolescence, and the, the scriptures don't talk about that. Like with Moses, Moses is thrown into the Nile River, and then a verse later, he's a man. Same thing with Jesus. We simply don't get those intervening years, and I fill all that in, and I show people his Jewish education, his Jewish roots, his Jewish experiences, because for all of us, we're uh, affected enormously by our childhood, by our parents, by our surroundings. Help us understand what the differences are, and then take us back and start weaving us together and show yeah, how much we uh, actually do have in common. Yeah. Well, well first of all, one of the, um, uh, the taglines of my Jewish Christian Discovery Center is discovering together our spiritual DNA. So just like people take a DNA test, as I did a number of years ago, and discovered long-lost cousins and connected with them, and it, it changed me somewhat, discovering these cousins. It, it helped me understand a bit about myself and my life's journey. Uh, I think that's what I want to do for Jews and Christians. Uh, there are a number of ways to interpret the, the Bible, and I give new interpretations in my book. It's not only that. I think the Bible has been very much misunderstood. Jesus was, he lived and died as a well-educated Jewish person, never, by the way, stating, okay, that's the old religion, now we're starting a new religion. So I think we've just gotten off track with that. When Jesus is asked, for example, in the Bible to talk about Jewish law, people ask him very specific questions about marriage and divorce. And he doesn't say, oh, this law has no meaning for me. He answers the questions. So I think that um, we, we misconnect on a number of levels of understanding what those texts mean. I'll give you an example. Um, Matthew chapter 22, uh, Jesus is asked, what are the two greatest commandments? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then love your neighbors yourself. So I once had a, a friend of mine, a, a professor, who said, aren't those wonderful words that Jesus uttered? I said, yes. I, I said, but do you know where they came from? He said, no. I said, well, every Jewish child, when they're six or seven, learns a prayer called the Shema, which is from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And he looked at me sort of with great... Uh, 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 interest and 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 he get it just uh, in, incredible. Like, His eyes opened up right, and and he and he said, "I never knew that." And I said, "Yeah, he was repeating something he learned as a child." Think about it. If Jesus was asked, "What are the two greatest commandments?" One might think that he would have said, "Well, follow me," 
follow my laws, follow my things. But he reverts back to something he learned as a child. And then his second uh, answer to the question is, uh, love your neighbors yourself is from the book of Leviticus, which you also teach our children. So what I'm suggesting is that a, a lot of what people read in the Christian stories uh, has its origin in the Hebrew Bible and in the Jewish education of Jesus. And also, I, I think there's, there's new, different ways to look at um, some of the stories. You know, Judas. Uh, I was watching uh, Law and Order, and they said, don't be a Judas, which means don't betray somebody. And that's how it's used. And yet around the year 120 or so, there was a, a scientific discovery in Egypt a number of years ago of papyrus, and they found a scroll. And the scroll was called the Gospel of Judas. Many Christians don't know about it, but basically it's written around the year 120 or so, common era. So kind of contemporaneous, close to people who either knew Jesus or the grandparents who knew Jesus. And in this story, and I'll just give a synopsis, Jesus says to Judas, you're my number one apostle because you're doing what I asked you. Like you're in on the plan, which is for me to be crucified so I can be resurrected. You're releasing me from my physical body to go to my spiritual self. The early church put, that, put this gospel of Judas sort of on the outside of the Bible and said, we don't consider this kosher, if you will. We don't consider this legitimate, so we don't want people to read it. That's okay. I understand that. But I want people today to read it so that they can have something to think about, an alternative understanding of who Judas was, because look what that does to the person of Judas. Instead of making him this sort of evil character, it makes him really who was a, a partner with Jesus and followed God's plan, if you will, for Jesus, for the crucifixion and resurrection. You know, one of the key similarities between the Christian gospel story of Jesus and the Jewish traditions, you say, is found in the very observance of Hanukkah. Talk to me more about that. Yes. Uh, it's fascinating that here we have this one, these wonderful holidays with lights, with gifts, and I think we just sort of live in a, in a bubble of ignorance, benign ignorance, that, that many Christians may think that, that Hanukkah is a Jewish Christmas or something like that, and, and it's simply not. Uh, so let's take a few of the similarities. Number one, uh, I said this to a group of kids the other day, and they looked at me like oh, I was a little funny. I said, kids, <laughs> did Jesus celebrate Christmas? And they said, sure. I said, no. <laughs> there was no Christmas at that time. He celebrated Hanukkah as a Jewish person would, and he celebrated Hanukkah throughout his life. Furthermore, the holiday of Hanukkah occurs around 165, 170 years before Jesus is born. The event of Hanukkah, and I'll say this quickly, is the Jewish people are living under Greek rule, Alexander the Great, etc., and there's a Greek king named Antiochus who says to them, I want you to worship as Greeks, and he places a statue of himself in the temple, which is not allowed. So there's a rebellion. There's a three-year rebellion against this, and the Greeks back off, and they say, okay, you can worship as you want. But that allows the Jewish community to maintain itself in the land of Israel so that 165 years later, it gives birth to Jesus. So I say to people, you need Hanukkah to have a Christmas, and they look at me like, eh, what do you mean? Well, historically— that holiday, the Hanukkah holiday preceded the Christmas holiday. And so I just want people to have that understanding. One of the points I, I think I did in a podcast was that Jesus was born into a religion that already existed 2,000 years. 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these people. And he studied it, and he knew that. So a, a lot of what he spoke about and he pronounced was based on that background. So also Hanukkah, of course, Hanukkah talks about God acting in history, so does Christmas. So uh, I think that there's a number of, of really strong similarities that we miss because we don't talk about. And one of the programs we've begun, and our friends at uh, St. Anne's Catholic Church in, in uh, Marietta, East Cobb, and also some of our friends in Cartersville Heritage Baptist, uh, I sent them Stars of David um, with, with a little hook on it to put on their tree. And I think it'd be wonderful if every every place there was a Christmas tree, there was a Jewish star. We call it the J-Star Project because it would acknowledge the connection that Jesus was Jewish. His whole life he celebrated Hanukkah. Uh, incidentally, Christmas is on the 25th of December. And, of course, and most people don't know that Hanukkah is on the 25th of the Hebrew month of Kislev, light candles, etc. But Hanukkah is really about a fight for religious freedom. The, the original Hanukkah story was about the Greek domination. And here, imagine you're living under Roman domination, and you're recalling the miracle of a small group of people who are fighting for their religious freedom and identity. So I've never heard it spoken about in this context, but I imagine as a young adult, the observance of Hanukkah for him and his family, also Jewish, Joseph Mary, Paul, et cetera, et cetera, um, would have been quite significant in their time. For the Jewish community, I've asked them to take the, the eighth candle of the menorah and as they light it to, to talk about righteous Christians, righteous Gentiles who have put their lives on the line, like in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Explain the significance of the menorah, the eight candles and the oil. You, 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 you alluded to it a moment ago. Yes. But, uh, but for it, listeners who don't know, tell us. It's called, uh, in biblical history, you, you have histories of, of a candelabra, it's a menorah, and in the ancient temple, they had one with seven lights for the... Well, what had happened, just to get specific, they, they win the fight against the Greeks. And it's around um, November, December time. And the, the leaders of the time say, well, we missed all our holidays. We missed our high holy days. We missed the festival of Sukkot, which is tabernacles, which went for eight days. And so they say, we're going to start reinstituting the holidays. And so they... they have they say we missed the holiday of Sukkot Tabernacles, which is an eight day. Let's observe this new rededication. The word Hanukkah means rededication, so let's have it for eight days. And so they imagine uh, this holy place had been defiled by the Greeks. By the way, uh, just to be clear, as a historian, not everyone fought the Greeks. I mean, here the Greeks came with their armies, and they were forcing people to pray as. The, the Greeks wanted. And uh, I try to personalize it. And what would, what would we do if somebody came into our house of worship with uh, uh, weapons and said, okay, th- you have to do it a new way or die? And so people might, might say, well, okay, we'll, we'll do it and maybe this will pass or something like this. So in the real world situation, this was quite serious. And, and you had a whole gamut of responses to what the Greeks wanted. Uh, so finally, when that temple was cleansed after three years of pretty difficult fighting, they, the leaders of the time said, well, we just missed the eight days. Let's institute an eight-day celebration for this holiday. And over time, one of the main symbols in Hebrew you call Chanukiah or a menorah, that 
that goes on for eight days. And then there was a later story told about the miracle of oil that should have lasted one day, but lasted eight days. And even as a kid, I kind of realized that in the scope of miracles, that's kind of minor. <laughs> yeah, we might have a little oil or butter that we didn't think was going to last. And so uh, th- that was a later add-on. Um, and by the way, interestingly, if I as a, a rabbi want to look up the book of Maccabees, it's not in the Hebrew Bible. It's in the Catholic Bible. Most people don't know that either. So Catholics have a book about a holiday they don't celebrate, and we have a holiday, but we don't have a book that goes with it. And, and to me, that's—and there's a history of that I covered in my book. I won't go into it now. But, but again, uh, uh, the, the main thing is that I really think what we miss out is not sharing our connections. And people go through life— often defining who they are in a negative term. Oh, we don't believe that, we don't believe that, we don't have that, we don't do this, which I guess is okay. But wouldn't it be wonderful if people spoke about the commonalities that we have and then and then build on that as opposed to, because if you start in a negative way, where do you go? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Rabbi, yes. do you think that education and that knowledge across faiths would help reduce the violence? I mean, just this month. Right. You, you right. know, it's... It, it's really sad. Yeah. And I, part of my thinking, thank you for asking, um, part of my thinking for the Jewish star on the tree was I, I looked at all these young men, they're mostly men, who are becoming radicalized and going into temples, churches, and mosques and shooting people. And I said, oh my God, they're 20. I mean, I teach at Kennesaw with 20-year-olds. So part of my thinking is if I have a 10-year-old child who puts a Jewish star on their tree and decorates it and keeps it in their little box of Christmas ornaments, if they do that for 10 years, and now they're 20, and they're exposed as everyone will be to this uh, strain of hatred found on the internet and around the world, they will be able to effectively push back and say, now wait a second, I grew up putting a star on my tree, and I'm not being facetious about this, I'm trying to be very real, that and by the way, this little star, I mean, it. you can make it with popsicle sticks. You can't see it, but here's one I'm showing our host here, made with popsicle sticks. So there's no cost involved. But I think the symbolism is quite important. It's not just like a nice thing to do because I want the 10-year-old to become a 20-year-old with respect for all faith groups and not to become so hateful. Think about it. R- shooting people randomly? I mean, I could have been there. I, I heard about some of these... Uh, the synagogue shootings, and you personalize it. And um, I go to services every Sabbath, and you think about where you're going to sit and who's talking and what are we eating afterwards. Or it, you just think about those immediate concerns. You don't envision, although we have to now. Yeah. It's interesting. I was speaking in a few churches, and I said, well, how many officers will you have like to guard us? And they said, we don't have officers. We, we don't. I said, well, unfortunately, we do. <laughs> and so this America, soon to be 2020 at these wonderful holidays, we can be better than that. But I think something as simple as putting a star in a tree. So what I'm, what I'm pushing for is more proactive. Listen, people can react when something bad happens. And they say, oh, my God, that's horrible. And most people would say, yeah, that's horrible. But, but what are we doing to prevent it? And so... Uh, people are supporting the concept. This is a, a proactive step, not a reactive. So put the, put a star on your tree, and I invite you to do it. Take a picture. Um, 
and just make it part of your lives. I, I see it as a win-win. I don't see it as a loss for anybody. So thank you. I, I'm afraid of the violence, and it's, it's getting worse. Rabbi Slomovitz, if there are people listening, people of faith, who would like to have you come and visit the way you've visited, you mentioned going to a Baptist church, working with the Catholic Church right. in Marietta, you right. teach at Kennesaw State University, because folks in the new year, in the new decade, want to have that conversation, want to have right. that cross-cultural education, want to have those interfaith conversations, and be better, stronger people of faith as folks are thinking about the newness of a new year and a new decade. Right. How do they connect with you? Well, pretty simple. I invite people to Google the Jewish Christian Discovery Center. We live in a world of Googleness. <laughs> and also, if you want to reach me, and there it'll say contact, but I have a Dr. Abraham. That's my Hebrew name, by the way, is Abraham. is Abraham. And I chose, I chose to use it because of the commonality because we all go back to Abraham and Sarah, Jews, Christians, Muslims, etc. So it's drabraham at therabbijesus.com. And again, we're not messianic. Sometimes my friends in the Jewish community, they say, oh, you're messianic. No, we're not faith-based, we're education-based. And uh, so it's drabraham at therabbijesus.com. But it's funny that we want to educate ourselves all the time about other aspects of our life. How do things work? How does the internet work? How, how can I do this most efficiently? And I will tell you, if I may, I don't know how our time is doing, but, but some of the most wonderful uh, periods I've had is when I sit down and study with people of other faiths, and we have these aha moments, mm -hmm. like that one person who said, I thought Jesus just spontaneously said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and I, and I said, no. And I showed him in the Hebrew scroll, the Torah scroll, exactly where it was. And he was just shocked and flabbergasted. He said to me, I go, I've been to church all my life. I'm 50 years old. He's a professor. He said, but I never knew this. I said, that I, he said, why? I said, I can't tell you. I, that I can't answer. But I can answer that we really need to come together and study and, and learn. And, and in the end, I think we grow as people. When I've been to other churches and I sit through their worship, we grow in the sense that we have this aha moment that somebody once wrote to me, no one owns God. And I like that because there's, there's wonderfulness in all our faiths, but we just want to share that, that, that truth that we all share and look back and see where it came from. And listen, I go back to Genesis, God created people, period. In his and, image, right? And so, what? And so, what I'm I'm trying to do is is find that godly image in all of us. It's funny. People say, "Are you worried that we're going to amalgamate together?" No, <laughs> that's not a problem. The problem is, uh, do you have a, how much? How's our time? I have a, a quick story. I in the Navy, my Navy career, I was invited to speak at a small Baptist church in South Carolina. I won't even say the city. It may, our broadcast may go that far. So I spoke at the history of Judaism, et cetera. And they were like the first Baptist church of this city. And as they walked me out to my car, there was a church across the street. And I said, oh, what is that? They said, that's the second Baptist church of the city. So I said, sort of naively, I said, well, that's wonderful. You guys do holidays together. And if you take trips, you go to, and they looked at me and their faces became very serious. They said, no, <laughs> I said, what, what? They said, they're a split off from us. So they moved across the street, and we don't talk with them. 
I said, yeah, but but you're a First Baptist or Second Baptist. They said, no, 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 we don't do that. So it kind of deflated me because if those two groups can't come together, then how are we going to get uh, uh, Catholics and Baptists and Methodists and Lutherans and, and all the groups we have are Jews and Muslims? And so maybe that's more the reality that I'm proposing, but I will promise everyone who's listening a reward, which is I think all our perceptions of what we believe uh, will be enhanced by this sort of interaction. We don't lose when we communicate. Our guest has been Rabbi Albert Slomovitz. He's a Ph.D., teaches at Kennesaw State University. His book is A New Look at Rabbi Jesus, Jews and Christians Finally Reconnected. Keyword in the book title, finally. He also has a podcast, Rabbi Jesus, My Brother. There he talks about various interfaith topics and questions from his unique perspective. And as we celebrate the holidays this week, please be reminded of the J-Star Project. Rabbi, thank you for sharing the things that we have in common. You're welcome. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective.